Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you guys to The Reserve. The Reserve is a showcase and creative marketplace for brands, products, and entrepreneurs. Come out on Saturday, March 10th at Brooklyn Commons from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. You can RSVP at thereservebk.eventbrite.com. I repeat, thereservebk.eventbrite.com. Can't wait to see you there. Stay driven. Podcast. This is your host Franz Bowen. It's your co-host Trav Weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we are in the building sipping on the finest of Coquito for the holiday season, courtesy of our guest. Absolutely. The one, the only. First of all, I can, we gotta give him a, 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 a real proper like introduction, yes, right? That's this 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 special guest of ours like has really instrumental like in a, in part of the genesis of you know, DS and coming up, you know what I'm saying? Exactly, man. Like, um, man, this guy uh, taught me a lot, gave me one of my first opportunities, man. I've always admired this guy, man, from um, from day one. That's how he moved, um, just with his family. My man stay fresh, you always. know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, um, First dude I seen back with the Cartier. It, it, yo, clean though, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, um, had... <laughs> had had a um actual story, you know, allowed allowed us to come in and work with him and build and create, and definitely just a major part in the genesis. Not only our stories, a lot of creative stories um out of Brooklyn and New York City. So one time for the good brother Danny Life. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? You know what I mean, um, Danny. Well, let's real quick um from your perspective, just tell the people like you know um. Who are you, and um, um, what do you do? I, um, I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started a brand, Live Young Free Every Day, Life, in 2012. Uh, it's a lifestyle brand that turned into a creative agency that still rocks out to this day as a lifestyle brand and creative agency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do everything online, you know, thelifestudios.com. You know, we offer a bunch of services there, and I recently, moved to Oregon to get into the cannabis industry and started a medical marijuana farm over there. And now I'm just trying to tie in everything one. You know what I mean? So yeah, just do a lot of things. There you go. So I'll tell you about like the first time I met Danny. I actually met Danny through Wiz, um my guy, George Sylvain, um uh, manager partner here at Jimmy Society and um, I remember he introduced you like, yo, I, got, I don't even know how Wiz even knew you, to be honest. But he was just like, yo, my guy lives in Best Style. You got to meet him. Boom, boom, boom. His cousin, E.T. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I, mean, I remember going in there. So Danny had this store called Life Shop. And I remember going in there and I'm like, what is this place? Like, you walk in, it's the store, retail store with this dope brand Life. Live young, free every day. Now, that's all you think it is, and then you walk a little deeper inside, you go to the left, there's actually like a, almost like a photo studio in the back that can even be like an art gallery. Yeah. 
then a, like then like an office type space and then you go in the back there's like a backyard and then when you go downstairs there's a screen printing area like this shit blew my mind as a y'all was probably what 22 23 danny 25 i'm like wow like here's this young guy built a staple in bedstock brooklyn has this creative space and retail store and it just you know it just stimulated all of my creative uh my creative interest man we We've built out of there, we've created out of there, we've had meetings, we've come up with designs, we've, we've shot videos, we've shot um, content out of there. That place became um, a staple for Brooklyn creatives from those years. And, um, you know, Danny has always been an inspiration, so um, we're just more than happy to have him on the podcast, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, I want to talk to Danny, and we just, you know, I just first of all, I want to take us back there, like, you know... Um, we're going to get into, you know, your background and, you know, where you came from and all that. But how did life originate? Um, I started... Yeah. Awesome. Need to borrow that in a few. Uh, so, in 2012, I got hurt. Um, I was an electrician's apprentice for Local 3. I got hurt on a job... And then while I was hurt, I started hanging out at a store called Bridge Boys in Staten Island. A um, couple months of constantly being in and out of the store, my homie like let me put some things in the shop to sell. I got some Dean Rick Lego pins and brooches and a couple other stuff, and you know I put them in the shop. Kind of like learned retail a little bit and just that aura of being in a shop in those couple of months. I had approached him and I was like, yo, how can I get involved with your shit? You know, he told me like, you know, this is for me and my family, you know, just do your own thing. And pretty much that's what I wound up doing. You know, the name Life wound up stemming from one of my buddies who had a shop in Florida. He had a, um, the Brooklyn style boutique. And, you know, I, I remember being in Miami one time and I was talking to him about it. And I was like, you know, I, I want to get into this business. I want to start doing this. And then like, we came up with the name like Lifestyle Boutique. But I didn't really like like Lifestyle Boutique. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, my vision, my mind was worked a little different. Mm. But the thing, life always stuck to me like life, L Y F E, life, life, life. And then at that time, you know, I, I was living a certain way, just not giving a fuck, just doing whatever I want to do. I mean, I still do that now, but <laughs> it's, it was just more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't changed at all. I just, you know, you, you get tired of doing things, and it is what it is. You did it, you know. You're just doing it a better way now, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's still plenty more years to come of fun for me. Right. But I'm just really thankful to have had years of fun at like 20, 21, 22. You're going to Miami a few times a year. You're just wilding out, chilling, going to the clubs, getting fucked up. Just thinking, you know, oh, I want to live this life every year, all year, for like 20, 30 years. I want to be that 60-year-old dude fucking <laughs> just chilling in Miami, just, you know, just enjoying those vibes. And that's where the concept like live young free every day came from. Cause it was just, you know, I, I would go to California, I, I would go to Florida, you know, I traveled to different states, I, I, 
you know, I would just live and I was young and I was on my free shit and I was trying to do that every day. So mm -hmm. that's where just life came from. And, you know, um, I got hurt on the job, like I said. I wound up getting a check and um, took advantage of a lot of other shit by having those checks. And I kind of like set the foundation for my life in like 2012 by mm. putting a deposit on the house and starting the company. Mm -hmm. And then um, I started in Staten Island uh, out of a two bedroom apartment, 526 Bay Street. You know, it was pretty dope. I had reached out to two of my buddies, Ziggy, and um, for him to reach out to our, like another buddy of ours, Eric, and the two of them, you know, they did like creative work. They did, um, you know, they were just on the photography, videography, and editing shit, and you know, I, I came up with the concept life, and I got the dope apartment, and. I just finished buying some screen printing equipment off my cousin, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, really. <laughs> I went on a three-day course to train, to learn how to use the equipment at Vastex International in Pennsylvania. So like within like a few weeks, I just started speed racing. It was like, oh shit, August 2012, I created the LLC. I got the, the website. You know, I, I did all those initial things. By September, I, I had the, the apartment, you know, I got two of my friends to like, you know, join me on this venture. And by November, um, you know, in our first week that we opened, it was uh, right after Hurricane Sandy. I did a grand opening. I did a drive. I donated like $1,000 in wholesale socks and white t-shirts to like the local church. I tried giving it to one of those funds, but they were denying brand new shit. I couldn't understand it. Whatever, I went to a church, the church got it out and about. And then like two days later, you know, we had like a little incident that happened and it wound up forcing me to move everything to Brooklyn, where I was from. And um, that's how the brick and mortar store came up and pretty much that life shop that you guys came into mm. came about. Got it. Um, yeah, so I built that with my hands, with the help of a couple people. Obviously, like, I was hurt. You know, I got bought out from the union, but, you know, I had no longer ties to them, so whatever. Like, I'm on my own now. Mm. So I was doing some work on my own. Um, I got this place at 105 Ralph Avenue. I moved on top of there, the third floor, and I started building the shit out. Um, you know, no floor plans, no blueprints, none of that stuff. It was just... Me taking my foot and like placing it on top of one another to count how many feet where I'm gonna put a wall at, and then like I just draw a line. And I was like, alright, the wall's gonna go here. Wow. And then I, you know, I had a friend Vic and another friend Vinny and a couple Mexican homies that I pick up from Home Depot and shit. And you know, hmm. over the course of the, the months from December 2012 to like April 2013, I built the shop out. But all within that time, I was, you know working on the brand, just trying to, you know, just put out there that life is opening up on Ralph Avenue. And, you know, I, I didn't have prior experience with none of this. Mm. So I didn't really know what I was doing. I just did it. Got it. And that was just that. Which is, which is kind of crazy, because it's like, what, this space literally, like, a lot of, like, you, you see the fader, 
is a magazine, but it's powered by or it originated from Cornerstone the Agency, right? You kind of had that idea first to have a, a boutique creative agency that produces this retail product, which is the life product, the life merch, and then also produce. Actually, you taught me a lot on how to have like a multifaceted business, how like you can have that under a lifestyle brand. What did you, did something spark that idea that, you know what, I'm going to do this space, but not only is it going to be a retail store, I'm going to have a photo gallery in the back. I'm going to have screen printing in the bottom. I'm going to do meetups where creatives come and build. Did, was that like thought beforehand or did you just come in the um, gate like, yo, this can be it and it evolved over time? I wanted to create a, a clothing brand, you know, uh, so when I got the spot in Staten Island, you know, the whole concept was, I'm creating this clothing brand. It's going to be life, life clothing, and we're going to do everything ourselves. That was like always what I thought. Like, we're going to do our own screen printing because I got the equipment. Right. Eric and Ziggy, you guys are the media guys. You're going to take the pictures and make the videos, and we're going to promote the brand. And that was like always the vision. So when I built you know, the first spot out of the apartment, you know, one room was the screen print room, the living room was the studio, hmm. and then one room was like my office. Nice. But we never really did much there because we had an incident that happened that first week. Right. You know, I shut down and I moved to Brooklyn because it was, do I be on some street shit and, you know, lose focus or do I go through with trying to create the brand and trying to make this happen and I chose that. Mm. So yeah, it was once I got the space in Brooklyn, you know, it was just it was fucked up. First of all, it was just you know I mean you, you had carpet rolled up on the floor, but I'm the type of person like when I see space, I'm like, oh shit, I, I see what I can do here, mm. and like Visionary. I wasn't up, but I made my own money to the point where I was like, whatever I need to do for myself, if I can afford to buy the material, mm -hmm. I'm gonna get the work done. Mm -hmm. My dad's an electrician, I got the homies that are carpenters and do all the trades. I'm gonna, you know, I was just an apprentice for four years in the trade, so like I got an understanding of trades in general and I've been around my whole life. So I was like, I can do this. Uh, yeah, you know use the I mean? resources, use the network. Yeah, so, you know, that's why, you know, the first thing I did was, I counted out like, I think it was like, uh, maybe like 50, 60 steps. And that's where I drew my first line. And that's what that wall was. So mm -hmm. I was like, this is gonna be the life shop. And back here is gonna be life studios and screen printing. Right. Life studios. So you top. put that wall up? Yeah, I put that wall up. It's got the visionary. That's crazy. Yeah, I thought it came wall. like I thought it came like that. Nah, that, that was an open space. That's crazy. Cause when you, when you come in, it was like, it was all black, yeah, and then bro, you had the tree. Bro. Like, that shit was orange with the fucking tin ceilings. Was like all yo. It was just it was crazy in there. Mm. It was crazy. And like the landlord was supposed to give me a white box. Like I learned so much with that whole experience with that building. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm, I was 22, no 23, either 23 or 24 years old. I think I was 24 years old when I moved in because I spent my 25th birthday at the shop, so I'm not sure if it was the first year or the second year, but whatever, 23 or 24, I moved in there, and, you know, I'm up behind the ears when it comes to real estate and commercial real estate. Yeah. You know, I didn't have credit, I didn't have none of this shit, all I had was money to put down, mm -hmm. and the guy just looked at me like, I'm going to take this kid's deposit, and he's going to fail, I'm going to debt him. 
Mm-hmm. But I wound up not failing. I just wound up making sure I paid the bills. Right. Long enough to where he sold the building, he used me as leverage. Wow. You know, I learned all these terms throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he sell, he bought the building, you know, this is off topic real quick, but he bought the building for like 300 and change and they sell it for 1.3 million in cash. Wow. You know what I mean? So and he used you because you he were. He used me because you were, I'm the third floor tenant. And, and you have the retail space. And I have the first floor. And, and he pay- wound up just renting out the second floor. And you're floor. paying your bills. So I'm paying, you know, enough bills. If I'm paying $6,100 a month and then you have the other tenants paying $3,000, you made a rent roll of $9,100 a month. Mm. You're proving that to anybody you're trying to sell a building to. For them, they're like, oh, I need to get in on that. Yeah. Mm. That's a no brainer sale. You know, shout out to him because, you know, he, he made that move. I went through all sorts of headaches with the new landlord and the courts and all this other shit because I started learning about the real estate. And yeah. I learned, like, the leases were faulty that they gave me. I was overpaying. I'm getting barked out. Like, just everybody in the neighborhood is coming at me because I'm paying the higher rents. And they're like, yo, you're a part of this gentrification. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're hurting us right now. What are you doing? I'm like, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, yeah, dogs. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm 23, 24. I'm Puerto Rican. I don't have credit. Like, all I have is bread to put down in the space. I'm like, I have to jump on the opportunity that I have to jump on. Right. So when I would talk to people, they were like, oh, okay. And then, like, I would get the, you know, you're good enough, and I'm not white. And, you know, it, it was what it was, but I was there. I was yeah, on Ralph right, Avenue. Right. I was in the fucking heart of that style. You made a few waves. And, you know, and, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. I loved that block, you know, mm. you know. Ralph Avenue is a is a very very you know it's just it's a block that got a lot of history that I learned about it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that is all up on those Ave and you know in between those blocks and you know I became a part of the neighborhood always stuck to myself I was really never you know just like a dick to make anybody want to like violate this, the business mm-hmm. we went years there and mm-hmm. not one negative thing to yeah, the building. Incredible. So, you know, when a lot of people look at that, it's like, oh, you was on Ralph Ave and Jefferson on the corner and nothing happened to you the whole time. It's like, why would something happen to me? Mm. Like, I'm not here to, like, violate nobody. I'm here for the for the neighborhood. To grow. You know, I was cool with the fucking precinct. I would do things for them. I was cool with the stores, you know. You would get the initial hate in the beginning, but it was what it was. Like, you know, that's New York for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's how they welcome you. You know, just, <laughs> until they know who you are. Yeah, it's like I, I don't know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know what I mean. Right, right. You know, so like I miss my shop. You know, I, I I always think about it and stuff. But you know, it, it's it's all growing years and and years of experience when you don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's like it. for some people, you know, they go through apprenticeship years. True. For me, my first years was I had the shop. Right, right. You know, I met you guys. I met other creatives. Uh, I create the platforms. Like, mm-hmm. let's all build. Let Let's all try to do something for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know, while everybody's on the fuck you attitude and trying to step over one another, I was more of the and I'm still am. Let's build together. Let's mm-hmm. try to be the next thing for New York because there's all eyes on us. Mm-hmm. Yo, let me ask you, bro. Like in in that time, in that in that chapter in your life, you know what I'm saying? Um, there, there have been other instances that other challenges that arose for you. You know what I'm saying? And during that time, you were growing, you're building, you're learning all this stuff. You're a young man, and then you get that, um, diagnosed with cancer and shit. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a that's a that's challenging for for anybody. But at the same time, like with all the responsibility that you had, and you know all all the things that you were dealing with and going through and learning at the same time to have that like. Um, could you talk a little bit about like your mentality during that time and and how you how you shaped it to to grow a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, uh, I got diagnosed with cancer in 2015. So at that point, you know, the store was open from you know 2013, 2014 into 2015. You know, we were rolling in that year, and then in the May of that year, you know, I I find out I have lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease, and, you know, it kind of like, it, it was the craziest curveball in my life because, you know, here I am, you know, in the pit of building the brand and, you know, just building with everybody. And, you know, I, I remember like during those months, you know, we dropped that ski capsule and, you know, it, yo. for once, like, you know, it was like, oh, I, I did a little focus on life. <laughs> hmm. I hear you, yo. <laughs> yo. yo. That, I'm, I'm sorry to interject. I know. <laughs> it's a real ass story, but bro, that ski collection was hard. That's probably one of your hardest. Like, <laughs> no, nah, mean, my favorite one is the joint the, with the boat. Right. That, was, that was smooth, yeah. too. Yeah. 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 My bad, bro. No, 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 the ski was my favorite. You're making me smile and stuff because, you know, that's... So 2018 is about focusing on the clothing again. But, um, you know, just cancer, man, it, it was a way, just a crazy, crazy, crazy curveball in my life. I wasn't ready for it. We were, I don't want to say we were trending, but I felt like I, right before, like, all that happened with cancer, it was like, I felt like, wow, we finally got, like, a little ball rolling underneath the shop and like some people are starting yeah some momentum people are starting to know what we who we are and what we are what we do we were getting orders you know i had put together like one of the illest little you know independent creative teams out there you know what i mean and you know between the designers that we had and between just just what we were doing nobody else was doing it and if you tried like you couldn't come near it mm -hmm. you know i had college interns you know people getting college credits when they finished you know, all that was going on, and I was really high in my life. Like I, you know, within myself, I was really happy. I was like, wow, like what I envisioned is finally like going on. Like you know, there's a there's a, a successful clothing drop. You know, the studio's doing well. We have an in-house photographer. You know, we're we're getting booked on for content for you know, product photography. Video shoots and it was like, wow, this is all happening under this roof. And then I get the, yo, dude, what's wrong with your neck? What the fuck you mean, what's wrong with my neck? And I'm like, I go look in the mirror, I see the lump. I go to the doctors, they're all looking at me like with the puppy face. And then it's like one doctor visit to the next doctor visit to the next doctor visit. Two weeks later, three weeks later, biopsy. And then like I remember. When the lady was supposed to tell me, the doctor, or like, she was supposed to tell me I have cancer, she kind of forgot to tell me and just kind of got into the conversation of how we're going to start treatment. <laughs> and then I was like, um, do I have cancer? Mm. She's like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yes, just like that. Wow. So, like, I didn't have time to, like, take it in. 
mm-hmm. I was sitting there with my, you know, my fiance at the time, she's my wife now, my ride or die, you know, and I'm just like working at her and I see the break in her. And, you know, I didn't break. I'm just sitting there like, well, I knew it from Google, from all the symptoms that I've been feeling <laughs> and shit, like WebMD told me this shit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it threw everything off. It threw the whole momentum off. It threw my life into shambles, you know. You know, I was a father. I just had my son, so I became a father of two. So between like, you know, you you have everything going on with the shop, you gotta pay your bills, you gotta maintain, you gotta have all this responsibility, and you know, your newborn son is here. So you have a newborn, you know, you, you, you have a, a five or six year old daughter. My daughter's eight now, my son's two. I'm not really crazy with the math right now, I'm just off that, but you know, I'm a father. I, I, I'm taking care of people, I, I have this platform, I, I, I have all this going on, and then cancer. So it, it pulled me all the way down, as it, it would, you know, as it would to anybody else, you know what I mean? But I didn't let it like kill me, like I kept trying to do things. Mm-hmm. Like I kept trying to find ways to keep the bills paid so I wouldn't have to close the brick and mortar while I was fighting cancer. Hmm. But unfortunately, you know, after you try a couple of different things, and you know, it doesn't work out, you gotta wave the white flag. And that's what I wanted doing later on that year. And you know, after I was already, like just having no movement, no really, nothing going on for months, because you know, we were still in business, you know, but, I guess because I wasn't there, and I guess I was the heart of everything, people felt like what was there wasn't there anymore, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, the, that motivation to show up to work and just, you know, if I guess the leader's gone and people start thinking in their own heads that they can do the same thing and, you know, break off and you know, just take that time and try to make a change in their life, you know, which is, you know, well-respected. Everybody has to grow and do their own thing, but you people didn't realize what you had and what you were building on and what we were building on and what we were creating for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like, we were on an upswing because I get diagnosed with cancer, don't let that affect the business. You know what I mean? If the team would have just stood strong, and I don't know if I blame myself because, you know, if the team broke up or if they weren't strong, like, did they have a bad leader? I don't know. Like, you know, we're all mid-20-year-olds. And I don't have experience in this at all prior. So my one or two years of experience at, in it at that time, it's all just still brand new to us. So learn, I, don't blame them. I don't blame myself at this point. I just look at it all as, like, learning curves. You know what I mean? And... Just New York will eat you up with the bills. So if you can't maintain your bills, and if it's just gonna be like, listen, do you pay your rent at your house or your mortgage at your house? Or at that time for me, it was a mortgage and a rent. Or do I just, you know, not pay the bills over at the business? And it became 
that seesaw, and I'm not the type of person to want to go into debt and try to owe people money. So mm-hmm. I closed the shop down, and I wound up moving to Oregon within a few months of doing that. Mm-hmm. Before we even get, get over there, I wanted to take it back a little bit. What, in that time period, what, um, where did you find your strength? Because even though we, we all knew you were battling that, I remember that. I remember, I remember praying for you, bro. Um, and, um, you know, we all were sending our love. And I was just hoping that... At the, I, I was, one, one thing I always admired about you, too, is um, out of all of us, you had a family at a young age, man. You, you know what I mean? Jess was right there. We all seen Jess right there. You know what I'm saying? And um, <laughs> your daughter used to call me Chicken Nugget. When I walked to the store. <laughs> she, she still remembers everybody by the nickname she gave me. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Um, where did you um, find your strength to battle it? Because even though you you were going through it, we all. I mean, bro, your your strength, how you handle it, I just thought was just like yo, Scott Danny is the strongest man in the world. Where where did you find the strength to like you know? Fight that. Well, you know, I have a family. You know, I had a strong rock in my girl. You know, my wife, you know, I married her this year, earlier this year in February. So, you know, she, she was always, you know, when you know you have somebody that you could really lean on, if you have to lean on that person, it makes worrying about something happening to you less stressful because it's like I'm not going to sit here and have to focus on myself and like self-dwelling on the fact that I have with cancer. Like I look at my rock and I'm like, yo, she, she's sacrificing everything to, to make sure I'm good. How can I not be strong for her? Mm-hmm. Knowing that she's the mother of my children and like she's feeling all this way more because I when you're going through it, I mean, for me at least, like, I didn't feel different. Like, I knew I was sick. And I knew, like, I would have things going on inside. But, like, it didn't give me crazy pain. It didn't, it didn't like, limit me from living daily activities. Mm. Cancer mentally fucks people up. Mm. So mentally, you know, I've already been through shit. I've already been through watching my mother battle cancer and beat cancer and like, you know, just been battling illness for like 20 years. So just naturally just growing up in that type of environment, I'm a kind of engineer to cope with sickness. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm sick. I'm just sick. It is what it is. Like I still got to like do what I need to do to try to maintain. But when you're going through chemotherapy, it's like, ah, that's what's killing you. That's what's making you weak. That's what's hurting your body. That's what's making you not be able to move. And people wouldn't understand, like, my treatments were every two weeks, every two, three weeks. But for one full week, I can't do nothing. And then the second week, you start to get your strength back. So, like, that's how I was living. It's like, oh, I'm good for a week. No, no, he's good for a week. No, you know what I mean? And it was like that. But, um, you know, my kids, my wife, my business, everybody that looked up to me as far as, like, being this young entrepreneur who put this whole platform together, you know, I, I am who I am, and 
I didn't want to appear weak to nobody. Mm. You know, and then with social media and stuff like that, and everybody knows I have like a little Instagram obsession. Mm. Like, <laughs> 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 like if, I, if I'm in my feelings, I'm in my feelings. I'm 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 I'm, I'm blasting away. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna talk to people. Like if I talk to one individual, it's like ah, it's not good enough. Like I just like let it out there, and like ah, and then it's out of me. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just. Fuck that shit, it's out of me. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so when you're on Instagram all the time and like people see you one way and then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. He's posting that he's sick and da -da -da. I didn't want to appear like a pity case. I wanted to give people the real life shit. Like this is what you're going to really go through. And that was all a part of my strength. Mm -hmm. Like just not wanting to appear weak, and I know it's stupid to care what others think of you, but whatever, it is what it is. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be weak for my family. I didn't want to be weak for my kids. I didn't want to be weak for my, you know, my wife. I didn't want to be weak for for the homies around me. I just didn't want to be weak while I was sick. And yeah, that was just pretty much that right there. You know what I mean? And that's 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 Cancer interesting, bro. yo. That's a testament because. And that I just heard, like you know, you chose to to be strong. Like you, you made that mental decision, and like I always, I always thought that, like you know, the 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 illness would do what it would do to the body, but like if you if you won that battle in your mind, you could come back, and you definitely bounce back crazy. Like it's it's I remember like the the week like you had cut your hair, yo, and you you wasn't. <laughs> Yeah. Cause Danny had the long hair, yeah. right? We used to call him First Puerto Rican Jesus. <laughs> Danny has a great head of hair. Yeah. And still. Yo, you came back double smooth, brother. Yo, I'm so happy for you, man. It's a blessing to see you. Yo, back then we used to call with yeah. the he used to have the the fitted hat like perfectly. Nobody has a more suit than smooth one. That's a fact. From day one, they say that. That's so true, man. Yo, oh, man. so you 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 yeah. came out victorious. You know what I'm saying? I'm definitely uh, have a sip to that. Absolutely. You know, at the same Crazy time too, you transitioned over to the West Coast. You know, you you saw an opportunity, and you're like, I gotta take this. So, um, what's going on out in Oregon right now? So Oregon, um, you know, Oregon. Cool state. Shout out to all my peoples out there in Oregon. Um, it's a lot slower than New York. You know, um, it's a completely different lifestyle. Of course, yeah. It's just the complete opposite. I know how it is. You know, where I live over there, it's um, five minutes from a college town, but I'm on a farm road. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I live on a farm road. Yeah. In a cul-de-sac where, like, you know, some houses around me, but around the block it's a farm. <laughs> like, yeah. Around the block is another farm, but like. They're not blocks, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It's like, you gotta take a little drive. And so, you know, Oregon's dope, man. Um, it's peaceful, you know, I had an amazing year with my family in Oregon, you know, we transitioned out there. We did a, you know, pretty much a whole solid year over there. You know, uh, I got my wife pregnant. <laughs> and so with number three on the way, it became difficult to not be around our support. So, you know, we had to make a decision. The family needed to go back to New York. 
while I am still, you know, headquartered in Oregon for business purposes, but traveling back and forth to New York to see my family because I'm a family man first. Got it. But in New York, uh, but in Oregon, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a, quite the experience. You know, um, it's a completely legal cannabis market over there. Um, I've been around the last year of the medical market that transitioned into the recreational market. Mm-hmm. You know, I got full understanding of the entire game of how everything works. Beautiful. You know, and um, you know, it's been it's been quite the learning experience. You know. Just like here in New York, you go through your, you know, your experiences with people, and mm-hmm. you know, sometimes things don't pan out how they were supposed to, whatever. But it's all love, and you know, it's all learning experiences again. And you know, it was a different trade. It's a different avenue as far as it being this new industry in the legal market. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So when you're there trying to just completely study something that's brand new to what the masses are gonna see, you know, whatever experiences I might have had in this field, you know what I mean? You can take it and transition and it helps you grow into these new stages, but you still have to learn the whole new business. Absolutely. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I I have a medical garden. Oh, beautiful. In my yard. You know what I mean? So that's a cool experience and a cool situation to have. Um, mm-hmm. What is your perspective on the cannabis industry right now? It is a billion-dollar industry, I believe, oh, right yeah, now, right? Absolutely, it's a. It's a, it's a crazy would would you encourage young entrepreneurs to um, to invest, or if not, go out and do their own thing, but at least invest or be a part of that wave? What I would encourage to young entrepreneurs and to just entrepreneurs in general is: do not look at weed as the quick come up. Mm. Don't look at this as the the gold rush, as some people want to call this, because as much as this is a brand new green rush, it's day and age with this whole thing. It's a really fool's market if you don't know what you're doing. Mm. You can waste a lot of investors' money real quick and fail real quick if you have no idea what you're doing. You know, anybody can grow thousands of pounds. You know, can you sell? Mm. Can you get them into dispensaries? Can you build a relationship with the dispensaries that want to intake your product? True. Um, branding, you know, branding is becoming a big thing now with this. So, you know. Imagine if, that. If you can <laughs> understand the concept of branding for your, uh, you know, and I'm speaking to young entrepreneurs who want to do clothing, who want to print 50 shirts up, they don't sell the shirts, and they give up. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, and you can't brand yourself out doing 50 shirts, they don't think you're going to get into the weed industry mm. and, Just blow and, up. and, and blow make up. it. Main, because there's probably more no's going around and out of every door that you try to reach out to any dispensary yeah. in the state of Oregon. And I'm speaking for the state of Oregon because that's what I know. Mm-hmm. This is not a nationwide recreational thing yet. You know what I mean? Right, so right. I just know Oregon. You know, you have your other states, Washington, Colorado, California just got put on. You know, there's a couple of East Coast states, Maine, Rhode Island, Maryland just got passed. New Jersey's looking to pass for next year. D.C. You know, D.C. has been passed, but, you know, the East Coast markets are nowhere near what the West Coast markets are. And the West Coast markets are what you can really learn off of, but not the California market. Because the California market is the Cowboys market. 
it's a shit show in Cali. So you, mm. and then you have Washington and Colorado, which are like the main first states that done this, mm-hmm. which you can learn and kind of like look at some of the businesses, see what their sales have been doing, see what the trends are, see mm-hmm. what sells and what not sells during which times of the year, things like that. Yeah. But then you have Oregon, four million people in the whole state. Wow, that's. Mm. Four million the whole state. It's four million. It's totally like, people that's in Yeah, that's Brooklyn. Yeah, it's crazy. You're right. You're right. New York, exactly. four million people. Wow. State of Oregon, crazy. four million people. Wow. So if I'm from Brooklyn, I live ten years in Staten Island, and I know Brooklyn and Staten Island. I mean, five boroughs strong, like you know, like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. But those are the two areas that I heavily targeted. You know, whatever years and et cetera, et cetera. How many millions of people is that? How many people in yeah. my Trying to, you know, I'm trying to say, reach out to and brand myself out to with just the clothing, and you know, I was, you know, you're trying to do it to all of New York, but I'm here, I'm in Brooklyn, I'm in Staten Island, so people know me. So I kind of get this concept already. Right. So to young entrepreneurs out there, mm-hmm. you have twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars, you have five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Don't think that the legal marijuana industry is where you're gonna get your riches at. Study some cryptocurrency, and you might. Make a boom with Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, one of those things. Right. I don't want to ever steer nobody wrong or the wrong way, I guess to say rather, into like doing this weed shit because it's, it's, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to fuck up. Got it. That's got just it. the bottom line. I consider you a, um, a creative entrepreneur and a lot of those, um, uh, a lot of the times, you can't really marry... A lot of entrepreneurs can't marry those both worlds, yo. I know a lot of entrepreneurs are strictly about the finance, the business, but you ask them to create a concept, a marketing campaign, or create a logo, or just have a... You know um, um, know how to pitch their ideas in a certain way where they can like paint that picture. They can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've sat down with you and seen you sketch out logos and, and different things. Then, you know, you talk on the business side, but then also, you know, all the different millimeter. Ca- you know who told me about the 50 millimeter lens to get from my camera back in the day? I still remember that. And I suggest that to like people nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and you have, you know, you, 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 you have, um, you have valuable knowledge on both sides of those worlds. How were you able to um, uh, marry that, the creative and the business side? And when did you realize that, you know, I am creative. I am, I do have ideas. I, I can, you know, paint a picture with my, um, with my work. Well, um, I created the Life Monogram logo. That's my drawing. The original Life logo for the company is... Um, it's a pre-made font, the Leaf One font, you know, of the font.com, and you know, I bought um, I bought I, I licensed these swirls that represented life, and then I, you know, I asked a friend of mine to create me a logo and give it a little spice, and he added spikes to them, and then there was twelve spikes per each spiral, and I was like, oh, that's twelve months of the year, and. You know, we just try to create things, and but that was in Staten Island. It was when we moved to Brooklyn, where I started actually hanging around another creative. His name was Jaime Bonatar, <laughs> and he had um, a creative studio space called Minimum Dose 500 Milligrams, mm. and they were doing work for Wu Tang Clan. 
So you know me, Hyman. That's who Yo, you're talking about. We had a crazy. <laughs> Shout out to Hyman. I haven't seen him. Is he, is he still over there? No, Hyman's in Spain, probably. Oh, okay. Um, so wow. Yeah, man. You know that dude is. Uh, he's an amazing dude. Wow. Him, the homie Maraca, and um, you know the because of Ziggy, mm-hmm. you know uh, he was connected to life, you know, but he was also connected to minimum dose. And he kind of played the same roles for both of us while pursuing an advertisement career to make real money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what that. Ziggy did. Like, Ziggy was on his creative shit with life and minimum dose, but how he paid his bills was like Kavas Media, which wound up becoming somebody else. And I, I lose track of all that shit, but. <laughs> um, so, you know, with Jaime, you know, I started hanging around an actual owner of. A studio which was kind of similar to what the life on Ralph Avenue was. You know, life on Ralph Avenue was like, you know, you walked in, it was a life shop. Mm-hmm. Behind the life shop, it was life studios and screen printing. Minimum dose 500 milligrams was you walk, you, you go into the basement of this building, you're going into a gallery instead of a store, but the gallery showcased things you can buy. I remember that. <laughs> so it wasn't a store, but it was a gallery. Yeah, yeah. You see how that twist was? Because yeah. mm-hmm. it was it was for a different crowd. Mm-hmm. Then to the left in the same space, you had a photography studio. And you had like a media studio and a design studio all in one. Mm-hmm. And then you had a music studio booth that was, you know, just it was gonna be this cool creative space. So I'm starting to hang around him and I'm saying to myself, like, oh wow, hold on. I gotta step up like my creative shit. Cause like, I can't own the same thing and not be a creative. I can't just be an owner of this stuff. Like that's not how this is gonna work. Mm. So I spent my whole life being fly and liking gear and loving brands and, you know, doing the best when I worked with my family's budget to the point where I started hustling myself to do what I needed to do to make money to buy my own shit to be in my jiggy shit. Mm-hmm. So, because I was a consumer and I love the culture and you know, I, you know, the early 2000s, the streetwear culture, you know, it was different than what it is today. You know, I'm not gonna get into that. It's just two different worlds. You know, the hype beasts today are completely different to what I guess you would wanna say a hype beast was 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Cause I'm nowhere near what you consider these dudes today. So I feel like I'm more a part of that original culture who loved brands, you know, who, who hung out in Manhattan looking to get, you know, exclusive things. And, I, you know, I don't want to use Supreme as the brand because in those years you weren't buying Supreme like that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you would buy... It was like York Diamond Supply around here. You would buy Diamond. Supply, you would yeah. buy yeah. Bape before Bape, yeah. Nego sold Bape in, in corporate. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? BBC ice cream, like that, yes. You know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you're on it, that that running dog across the legs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like that's, true, that's my ever right there. That's my culture. That's what created the animal in me. That's what always stuck in me. You know, I, my buddies D and Rick, you know, from Staten Island, you know, they did a collaboration with G-Shock, you know. They were doing these belts with the controllers on them, you know. Uh, my, my friend L Dot, you know, 
He was like the first person. Yo, yeah, we all know. Let me tell you how Eldar ran up on me the other day, son. I was in Starbucks. <laughs> he came through like, yo, he's like, what's good, D? I'm just gonna say I'm proud of you, man. I'm like, yo, bro, good scene. Shout out to Eldar, man. Listen, man, stop hating on Eldar. Shout out to Eldar. Listen, they gotta stop hating on L. He he is one of the most flyest niggas and creative people that I have ever met in my life. You know what I mean? So it's like, and you know, my years in Staten Island, because I moved to Staten Island when I was 15 from Brooklyn. So when I moved to Staten Island, the people I was around, everybody got fly. Everybody was on their fly shit. Everybody was, that, that was what was going on. You know what I mean? So that's what gave me everything. That's what motivated me as a kid to have, I guess, this creativity in me, I didn't unlock it until I was like 22 or 23. Mm. Mm. Because once I started doing life, I started thinking about life, but once I started actually being around Bridge Boys, that's when I started like wanting to be about the culture again. Because I was like, you know what? I mean, I'm about the culture on the consumer end. I'm around Bridge Boys now. I'm watching this store just sell brands and at that time, you know, Bridge Boys wasn't focused on being its own brand. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't streetwear. It was just a retail store. You know what I mean? And then throughout a couple years of the owner and I vibing and him learning about streetwear and you know, me talking with him about it and, you know, just, just him learning you know, on his own shit, you know, that was the direction he started going in. And I've always been about that direction. So now I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be on the business side of this. I get around Hyman. Now I gotta be on my creative shit while being on my business shit. Mm -hmm. And I created the life monogram and I sent it to him. And he was like, that's it, Danny. Hmm. That's it. Nice. You know what I mean? It was just a simple LYFE put together. And it came to me, like it came to me so clean. Like I remember it was like, it was maybe January, 2013. And I was like, it came to me. Actually, no, it might have been the ending of December of 2012. Yeah. And then, like, I, I made it that that was the official logo of the company. That's what my registered trademark is to this day. And that's what got me to become the creative. Was saying to myself, like, wow, this next creative who's doing things for Wu-Tang just respected what I just created as the logo for my company. Mm. I got that too now. I could do that. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, and then just because I had all these different things that I was servicing, I had to kind of teach myself each thing. So I'm like, if I want to service photography, I got to kind of know the basics. I got to know what the aperture, the white balance is. I got to know mm -hmm. what the different lenses are doing. I have to know what the different bodies are going to do. I can't own a studio and then have a photographer come to me and like Maybe look at me sideways. Right. You don't know. I'm some culture vulture nigga. Like, nah, I'm the culture, dog. Like, this is for you. Right. So, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was that. So, right there. Right, Absolutely. So, um... At that time, man, you you going through, um, and you decided to make the transition after, you know, the, uh, everything played out with the space. And, you know, I, I got to see you at times, bro, when you were just, like, you know, really shining and things were going well. 
What I do want to ask you um, is, what have you learned from failure? To not let it stop you. Mm. Don't look at every bump as a block. You know, like, go with it. You know, rolling with the punches, you know, those bumpy roads, you know. These things that people say, it's the truth. Like, you know, roll with the punches, drive down that bumpy road. Shit's not supposed to be easy. Because if it's easy, it's not meant for you. And if it was easy, then God bless you. Word. <laughs> Word. That's how I be feeling too. Because there's no hate on anybody that got it easy. I be feeling the same. When I see somebody killing it, I be like, yo, God Salute, bless you. Salute, God bless you. That's a blessing. I applaud, like, can I get some of your energy? Word. That's a blessing. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, 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 how can we vibe? Because failure is not an option. Mm. So I can't look and say, like, I failed in anything. Because I'm still getting stopped to this day when I wear my logo and people asking about it. So that's motivation. That's still something that's, you know, the chapter's not done, the book ain't done, the, the story's not nowhere near complete. Mm -hmm. So when things are just down, don't look at it as at the end. You know what I mean? Like, don't look at anything that's on a downward spiral that's coming to an end. Try to figure out how to reverse it or use it to, and bounce back. You know what I mean? That, that it, it's, failure's no option, man. Like, I, I got kids. I got a wife who believes in me. I got genuine friends and family, like, you know, even though some of them don't support how they should, I know deep down, like, their heart's in the right place. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm that type of person. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel. I feel a lot. I know that. And because of my heart and the way I feel, it, it, it's probably stopped me from being at a place I'm supposed to be in life, but I'd rather be real than fake. Mm. So, um, yeah, failure is no option. And for everybody, don't let no type of slowdown or block or bump or anything that seems to be failure be it. Because if you accept failure, you know, you failed. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And I agree. You know, you're not dead. Right. But you failed. And a lot of things you can keep going mm -hmm. without failing. Because you're not gonna die. Being dead is one thing. Failing's another thing. You're alive for failure. Mm -hmm. Like, who want to live through failure? You know what I mean? I think E.T. Thomas actually has one of my favorite quotes. He was like, pain, pain is temporary, and at some point, it'll subside and go away. If I quit, however, that will last a lifetime. You know what I'm saying? Like, There you go. There you go. Exactly. This is real. I wanted to ask you too, bro, just to see you doing everything. Did you ever have any mentors in your life or was it more like you looked up to people that inspired you and you took pieces of their model? Was there anybody that actually sat down like, yo, boom, boom, boom? I'm going to make this super clear. I don't have 
any mentors. Wow. No OGs. No older people that taught me any game on the ropes. What I've done is I've been around people that I've known about them. I've heard their stories. And just being around them, I would hear them talk, and I would listen, and I would listen, and I would hold on to things. And then we other people, same exact thing. I get around them, I hear about them, I know their story, I listen, I listen, and I just try to hold on to things. Then there's some things where it's like, fuck, you know, I don't want to say like, I look up to a rapper or I look up to a music artist and say that that rapper or music artist is going to make or break my life. But when you hear some of these real stories of these music artists, or when you hear some of these real stories of some of these street people that turn into entrepreneurs, that's what you got to look up to for me in my world. Mm -hmm. That's what I look up to. Did I graduate high school? Yeah. Did I go to college? Yeah. Did I finish college? No. Was I in the electricity union? Yeah. Did I finish it? No. I got hurt. Was I in the army? Yeah. Did I re-up and do any other contracts? No. Because I've always been more about just, you know what I'm trying to say, just being tied up with the world and being one with the world and, and wanting to soak up what the world is showing me what I see with my eyes what I hear in my ears, what I feel. So I don't have nobody who's taught me. Like I have my dad who I've learned a lot of things, what to do and what not to do from him. Mm -hmm. So maybe, yeah, my father, him being just in my lifetime for my whole life. Cause you know, a lot of people don't have that opportunity to have their dads in their lives. You know, he's a great father. He was a great provider mentally, you know, he, he is what he is, he does what he does, and it's, he's a lot of the main reason of why I have the mind that I have, because I've watched him have the ability to be so great and fumble it. Mm. And then I watched him fumble it, and then like, man, there's fumbling, and then there's like just not giving a fuck. And that's what it more was with my dad was, it's not fumbling, he just doesn't give a fuck. He does what he does. So I picked that trade up from him. Mm. I'm gonna do what the fuck I wanna do. But in the same breath, watching him was like, I'm not gonna do a lot of this shit that he does. I don't wanna have that same rep because I watched the man be loved by so many and he's just alone now. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't want to be like that. Got it. I feel you on that one. Yo, and um, before we close, man, you're on Driven Minds, yo. Um, we ask this question to everybody, like, what drives you? Like, what is that? What gives you that gusto every day to go out there and make it happen and to innovate and create new paths for yourself? Hmm. Just life. <laughs> Waking up. You know what I mean? L-Y-F-E. Living young free every day. <laughs> Waking up, just, just being able to breathe, being able to have the opportunity to 
even think to create. That's what drives me, you know what I mean? My family, like, all the pieces, everything that, you know, everybody that, that, that you meet, you know, it, it adds to that. But when you wake up daily, and it's like, I'm alive, I'm alive. How do I make the best of it? Get out there and, and, and leave your mark, make a legacy. Mm. Do something to, 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 that when you're not here in the flesh, at least your name's gonna ring bells. Mm. And that's what drives me. Danny Life, ladies and gentlemen. This <laughs> is my brother, man. Like I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for just you know, like I'm. If this podcast is anything, man, I hope people look back in their lives and respect the history and the people, the pivotal people in their lives. And so you're definitely one of those pivotal people in my life, bro. Like I always big you up when you're not around, man. I always tell people like the legend of Dan. Like I, I, I think of those times, man. Like I'm not, you know. I, I look at movies sometimes from a perspective from like a movie lens and you know, my life from like a movie lens and just you know being able to watch you do what you do has always been inspirational and you know I appreciate you my my dude no you know Yo, my bros, I appreciate you guys you know um, you know I don't do these these podcasts and interviews like that and mm-hmm. the first interview I've ever done in my life is with you guys the first <laughs> podcast yeah, that's that I do in my life you know it, it, was, it was only right that I had to do it with you guys like you guys are my bros you've been there. Since day one, you know, it, it, it's driven like baby. You already know. know. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Like we always say at this time. Stay driven, y'all. Stay driven, everybody. Stay driven.